Welcome to the Cabin Cast. Your getaway primer. Hello. Hi, Eric. How are you tonight? I'm good. How about you? Doing well. Doing well. Yeah, what's uh what's new in your world? Not a ton. It's it's kind of that weird time of the year where things are teetering between winter and spring. So that's always interesting when you have like you can be out in a t-shirt and then the next day almost a foot of snow comes down. It is crazy. And I know one of the things that made me realize that uh the animals are getting about ready for spring too as I smelled a skunk the other day. Oh, he's out already. Uh, yeah, right? I know. Somewhere a roadkill along the side of the road, which is always a better place for it to be than like in my yard. Because <laughs> my dogs twice have been sprayed by skunks and oh. that is not fun at all. So you do the tomato can bath or tomato soup bath? We don't. I like headed straight to Pinterest and what everybody was saying is what we tried. And we did this mixture of peroxide and Dawn dish soap and baking soda. So it's like half a bottle of peroxide, two tablespoons of Dawn dish soap, a fourth a cup of baking soda. And then you keep your dog dry and rub this all over them. I have to say, I've never had to do it. My husband's always done it. So I've kind of lucked out. <laughs> yeah, but, perfect. Um, yeah, it's taken a couple times, but. I thought if it oh. was Pinterest first, I thought you always had to start with a pallet. You tear the pallet apart. And then oh, you put yeah, the pallet, pallet. You build it. Like, <laughs> if it's a Pinterest pin. It's a it's DIY. Yeah, yep. DIY dog. You First, you start with a pallet. Then you put your dog in there. And then right? you uh, cover them with peroxide and get that smell away. So. Well, one thing we did too, uh, the the dogs happened to go in the garage while they were um, stinky. And I tried something to get the smell out of the garage that I had done when I had bought this antique trunk that smelled all old and mildewy and gross. And someone had told me to put charcoal inside of it. Have you ever heard that? To get rid of the odors? Yeah, I know that for hunting, they use like they call activated charcoal fibers to get rid of smells. So yeah, that's so what they same kind of thing. At. Perfect. Yeah, so I put, I got a couple of um, tins and put charcoal in it and then put it in different spots around the garage to try to get rid of the smell. And it it did help a lot. So I'd be interested if any of our listeners have some good skunk, de-skunking solutions. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, they, they're tricky buggers when your dogs get into those, for sure. We... When we first moved into our new house, I was working there, I think, you know, patching drywall or doing some kind of fix it up at things to get the house ready. And I was leaving for the night. And as I was walking out towards the kind of side door, I heard a scratching noise going on in the garage. And it was getting louder and louder. Scratch, scratch, scratch. So I quick opened up the door into the garage and looked around and didn't see anything. And then I looked down and there was a porcupine that had, Oh my goodness. Had walked into our garage and started eating the step down into the garage. I mean, gnawing on the step. Yeah. And I had just found an old hockey stick underneath the deck that I had for some reason leaning in there. So I grabbed the hockey stick and this porcupine looked up at me and then just looked back down and start continued eating. I mean, I was maybe 
three feet away from him. So I grabbed this hockey stick and I just started kind of whacking it against the step by him, not trying to hurt him, but just kind of scare him off. And he stood there and just kept chewing and chewing and then just slowly walked away like the most carefree in the world. Like, what are you going to do to me, buddy? I'm covered in, you know, quills and, you know, I'm a problem for everything and everything else has to just get out of the way. Wow. Well, I have two porcupine stories. One of them um, was the porcupine was sitting on our front porch eating our log cabin. (laughs) And it was soon after we moved in the Northwoods. So I had never seen a porcupine in real life. And, you know, you're thinking, oh, he's so cute. And then you think, what are you doing eating my house? And same thing. We started scaring it away. And it actually moved really fast. I could not believe how fast this fat porcupine could move. And then it went up a tree. It waddled really fast up a tree. I had no idea they could do that. Yeah. It was fascinating. Yeah, they actually, they'll climb up giant pine trees and eat them from the top down and kill these big, beautiful pine trees. They're they're kind of nuisance animals. And it's it's funny, like you said, is, you know, when you have kids, you're like, oh my gosh, my kids are eating me out of house and home. But when you have a porcupine stop by and uh, literally right? eat your home, it's a uh, kind of yeah. a whole different feeling. And, and the other story that one of our dogs, Scout, she's a Bernese mountain dog, and she had an encounter with a porcupine and it was, all the quills were in her muzzle. And we, Ooh. it was a Sunday, of course. So we called and no vets were open and the emergency vet was an hour away. And we thought by the time we get her an hour to the vet. So we uh, started looking on YouTube and found some hints on how to get them out. And kind of the whole family kept her calm and held down while my husband, he actually cut the quills as close to her muzzle as he could to still pull them out. Yeah. And then just started pulling them all out. And then she jumped up and started running around again. Ouch. It was crazy, but luckily it turned out well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, it's just interesting when you live in the middle of the the woods and there's been a mother bear with four cubs that has been walking around our little lake going from neighbor to neighbor. And we have a Facebook Lake Home Association that kind of keeps everybody abreast of all the different goings on at the lake. And we're new, of course, to the lake. So it's kind of a fun way just to get the personality of the people. Pre-COVID, they would have a get-together, like a lake picnic every year, where everyone get together and and meet your neighbors, that type of thing to bond. But this year, it's just more following up on this Facebook page. And the people with cameras up or game cameras up have been tracking this mother bear with four cubs all the same age. Wow. Yeah, quadruplets. And they are just going from house to house, kind of terrorizing things. So they have pictures of them on the deck, climbing trees right by the windows. And then, of course, they were getting into our garbage like crazy. So I probably picked it up three or four times. I had, you know, I tried all kinds of different things to keep them out of the garbage. I put uh, rubber band straps on their bungee cords and locked those up. And then I tried putting them in different places. And then finally we just started putting them in our garage because these bears were pretty tenacious. We spend a lot of time in Montana and um, I have a son who's now 18 and his name's Baron. And when he was little, we called him bear, of course. And we were out in Montana and we were, I think everybody was zip lining and somebody started hollering bear, bear. And I just thought they were calling my son but no, there was a bear walking through, um, and that was the closest I've ever been to one. It wasn't, luckily, it wasn't too close, but um, it was quite a surprise to see it. 
I mean, even in the Northwoods or in the mountains, if you run into one, it's always a surprise. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the bear had to be thinking there's like, you know, you hear the term meals on wheels. It had to be right? like, ooh, there goes snacks just zipping by on these lines. Like, I right? gotta, you know, the worry Climb is up. when you're when you're climbing, when you're going down the zip line, you see a bear on the platform at the end of the zip line. And yeah, right. Just waiting for you with a, a fork and a knife and a napkin around his neck. They're the ones that are going to be waiting for you. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, growing up in Texas, um, we had armadillos that lived in our backyard. So kind of a very different, like what animals you see different places around the country. And those just roll up when they're in danger, right? And kind of go into an armored ball. Yep. And then they would dig holes. They like would dig under our air conditioning unit. and Just um, nuisance type things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we, we dealt with raccoon when I lived in northern Illinois and southern Wisconsin. It was more raccoons than porcupines. And those are kind of wily, um, mischievous guys, too. The Great Pyramid of Giza, Colossus of Rhodes, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, and Roughing It in Style. All of these equal in history and magnitude, but only one you can visit now. You see, Roughing It in Style may not be ancient, but it's the only wonder that will bring wonder to your world. Roughing It in Style is your source for interior design, furniture, reclaimed cabinets, and decor. They have two stores, one out west in Fort Collins, Colorado, and one up north in Harshaw, Wisconsin, 10 miles south of Manaqua. Plan your visit today and find out more at roughingitinstyle.com. What was that? The pyramid's still around? Why didn't anyone tell me? Roughing It in Style. A much better place for your furnishing needs than the Great Pyramid of Giza. So one of the other things, I, I just started reading a new book, and it's it's a bigger book. Um, almost looks like a textbook size, and it's kind of amazing. I picked it up at a, a bookshop in town, and it's kind of got like a leather cover, a beautiful old black and white photo of these guys with kind of at a canoe portage site. And it's called Border Country. The Northwoods Canoe Journals of Howard Green, 1906 to 1916. And his daughter, Martha Green Phillips, put it out. And he has these amazing canoe trips that he documented with photographs and handwritten journals. And she combined all of these things that she saved from her father into this amazing kind of tome of exploration of the Northwoods at the turn of the century. And I just wanted to read, I I haven't dove into it too far. I just really love this paragraph that was in the book and kind of give you a flavor for the, the sense of humor and the writing that's in there. And I highly recommend it. I think, I mean, the books maybe about 40 bucks. Um, you can find it online. I think the sticker price is like 39 95, but it is just a beautiful book. Great for a coffee table, something you can just flip two different pages and see all the old photographs, the black and whites. And it really takes you into that time where the Northwoods was still a place you could go explore, right? And it, it's somewhere that was really special. They're writing letters back and forth in this first journal there. They start up in Conover, which is just north, uh, northeast a little bit of where I live, then go down to Eagle River and they take the Wisconsin River down. And this is the first one. So this is just uh, the start of a letter he's writing back to his son. His son had gotten a foot injury 
and wasn't able to make the first trip. So his letters, the original reason he started making the letters was to send back to his son who was kind of sitting at home recovering. So I'm going to read this first chapter from Border Country, or not a whole chapter, just a paragraph from Border Country, the Northwoods Canoe Journals of Howard Green. Sunday morning. Last night we spent fighting mosquitoes and rain. The flies got under our tent early and kept us going all night. Urquhart says that the first night he was here, three mosquitoes got him by the legs and tried to pull him out of his little tent. He shot at them with his revolver and they did not care. But when he began swinging his axe, they left him and spent the rest of the night pulling at the walls of his tent. All your camp stuff is in your canvas pack in the closet of my room at University Club. Your khaki coat is in my office on the desk. Please bring your own toothbrush, for I've had to give Carl the one I brought for you. Clay says, give Howard my love and tell him to come as soon as he can. Clay is a nice fellow about camp and everybody likes him. He will eat anything so far, but of course, he hasn't had one of Gagger's puddings. It's rainy today and the camp is nearly soaked, but everyone is happy. So that's just him writing to his son Howard, um, keeping him like up to date with where things are at in hopes that his son can join them later in the trip once he recovers. And that was just kind of one of the first nights there. But there's this whole cast of characters. Um, they break down all the different, you know, his sons that were all there. And it's just kind of a really special, special book so far. It's really interesting. Well, I just, uh, the way he's describing fighting off the mosquitoes. Yeah, yeah, it's a full We're combat. still doing that today. <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah, they have a little more high-tech things. But, uh, yeah, if you shoot at them and you're a really good shot, I, I think a bullet would take a mosquito out. Oh, my goodness. That was hilarious. Just the sense of humor, too, that he showed in that little bit of the letter. Yeah, yeah. So as I keep reading, if I can pull out some other really great things and as I go along, I'll keep sharing with everybody and they can follow along. But I... I highly recommend this book, um, and we'll link to it in our show notes. It reminds me of one of those um, stories that my dad used to tell that was one of our favorite stories, and sleeping in a tent is what made me think of it, and our discussion about skunks. So when he was a Boy Scout when he was younger, they were at camp, pitched their tents, and his mom, my grandma, had sent a tin of brownies with him. So he, of course, was in his tent, enjoying his brownies, and then fell asleep with the crumbs still all over his sleeping bag. And he woke up because he just felt something on him and looked down, and there were baby skunks sitting on his sleeping bag on his chest, eating the crumbs of the brownies. Oh, my gosh. So, of course, as kids, we're all like, well, what'd you do? What'd you do? And he said he just went back to sleep because he didn't know <laughs> what else to do. He was afraid to move. Sure. So. He just went back to sleep with those little skunks laying on him. So we used to make him tell that story over and over and over oh, again. Oh, that's a great story. And that, yeah, you'd almost think as a kid, do that. It, are you dreaming? You wake up in that kind of haze and there's baby skunks. Sitting. Right. That's unbelievable. And the moral of the story is do not eat in your tent, right? Right. Like, Keep that food far away or yeah. you end up with skunks eating your crumbs. Yeah. When you hunt out west, it's important. A lot of times they'll... You'll put all the food in a bag and hang it up on t onto a tree, kind of yeah. dangle it from a rope up on the tree to keep keep things away. Yeah, that's crazy. 
Yeah. And then I also, I have a cabins in the news too. Oh, good. I've been hoping to hear some. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a little while since we've done one of these and this just caught my eye. It's kind of interesting with, with COVID going on, people have been going to their getaways to do work, right? Like they're, you know, they're on zoom calls and they're keeping up with their colleagues because it's been, you know, kind of a whole change in, in mindset for between work and being at home and where you can be. And if you have good internet access, you can really work from anywhere. And that right. has opened up a lot of people that can have good internet access to being able to go to their cabins and spend a lot more time there, which has been really nice. But also I think it's really blurring the lines between an actual getaway and just somewhere else you can be that you like, but you end up having to work the whole time. Right. And right. I, I know yeah. you can uh, attest to that. It's, it's amazing to be in the Northwoods all the time, but when you work up there. People say like, oh, you must fish and hunt and just do these activities all the time because they picture what they're doing up in the Northwoods. Right. And they're like, everyone that up here, all they do is they go all those things. And that that's true. We get a lot more of that and a lot more opportunities, but we also have to tie our day-to-day work in with where we live too. And a lot of people are kind of finding that too. So I'd be interested to hear from our listeners if Working full time from their getaways, has that changed how they think about their getaways or is it just like this amazing thing that they're just really happy and grateful to be doing? Has it soured it a little bit for you or are you just thrilled to be able to spend more time where you love to be? I just love that if anyone wants to reach out and share a story of how they've been working from their cabin or their getaway and what that's like and how that experience has affected them. I'd love to hear that. But this is uh, this news story is titled New Michigan Tiny Cabin Rental Spot Includes Cell Phone Lockboxes, No Wi-Fi. So this is from MLive.com, and, which is a Michigan website. And it's just kind of uh, – it's from February 22nd, 2021. So I'll just read a blurb on it. Grand Junction, Michigan. Could you spend a weekend away without Wi-Fi? A new southwestern Michigan cabin rental spot set to open this spring is encouraging visitors to do just that. Located on 79 acres in Grand Junction, Michigan, about 10 miles east of South Haven, Getaway Barber Creek consists of a tiny cluster of house-style rental cabins in a wooded setting with no wireless internet plus optional lockboxes for guests' cell phones. So, Barber Creek is the latest tiny destination to be opened by Getaway, a Brooklyn-based startup that now boasts more than a dozen similar outposts nationwide. So, we'll, we'll link to this article. But just super interesting idea, right? As, as a getaway, it's like, okay, there's no Wi-Fi on purpose. And here's a lockbox for your cell phone, which I'm kind of curious on how that works <laughs> from emergency <laughs> situations. Or Yeah, I think um, a lot of parents might want to know that for their kids when they take them on vacation, right? Like, there's a lockbox for your cell phones. And yeah, yeah. And lock that stuff away for the family and just spend time kind of catching up with each other and catching up with nature. Yeah, I know there's families that do something like that even at dinner time or when friends come over to the house, they have everybody put the phones in a basket so that everybody's encouraged to talk more um, or put them away at night in the kitchen in certain spots. So kind of that same thing to yeah. not be distracted even by good things so yep. you can be fu- fully present in what you're doing. 
Right, right. And that that is like the true meaning of a getaway is if you can disconnect a little bit from that. And I know a lot of the different people I follow on socials will do um, – They'll do like social media getaways or hiatuses where they'll just get off Twitter, get off Instagram, get off all their socials and say, I'm going to be back in two weeks. And they just put their phone away, which I think in a a world that's with consistently more and more at your fingertips and the news is in your face and everything. I think it is definitely a way to dial back the anxiety of being connected consistently and constantly with the news cycle and with everything that's going on. So I can understand why this is a new and upcoming business idea and it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I know one thing that I talk to my kids about and um, my friends, it's hard to do when you live at your getaway, like you were talking about. Um, But try to do at least one thing a day to celebrate where you live. So if that means it's just that you're taking a walk down your wooded street that you um, are consciously sitting and looking outside at your view you have, you know, in the summer that you take a few minutes to sit down on the dock, maybe for five minutes at the end of the day and enjoy a glass of wine and watch the sun go down, like consciously taking a little time every day to appreciate like this. We, we live here and my friends and I say this all the time. We actually video it every time we do something. If we go for a bike ride or we cross country ski, we scream, this is why we live here. Yeah, that's a great Just motto. like you have to consciously appreciate these things. And um, it doesn't take a lot of time to do it. But I think that goes for wherever you live. You yeah. Know? yeah, 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 exactly. Find those little things to do to, to slow down and connect with yourself, with what makes where you live special. So, yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. The, the idea of embracing your location and where you live is something that I think that's been, you know, in the public consciousness a lot more in the last year, for sure, with everyone being kind of, you know, quote unquote, stuck where they're at. I hope that it's reawakened people's ability. I do know that Sam and I definitely busted out the books of like, okay, where, where are some places we can take the kids around here? And where are some activities that we can do, especially outside that are safe and exciting and that maybe we didn't give enough credence to because we live so close. You take things for granted. Yep. But then we also are in a business at roughing it where people are consistently asking us for recommendations on where to eat and where to go and what activities are there out there. And Hey, we're, um, you know, we're heading up North and we got this plan for this two days, but we have an open day on the fourth day. What do you recommend that we do? Where can we go? And, you know, this was a good opportunity to kind of get back to that and really right. rediscover the area that we live. Definitely. Yeah, there's so many amazing things to do. So it has been great catching up with you. And we have a ton more great interviews coming up and some fantastic cabin chats to go. But this was just kind of a, a quicker cabin cast episode and cabin chat. And uh, we got some awesome stuff coming down the ropes here. And I hope everyone follows us over on Instagram and Facebook um, on our socials because it's another great way to get more content out of what we talk about in each episode and each interview. We love to share um, extra photos 
of who we're interviewing or like with our ice fishing episode with Jed and Matt, we shared a lot of pictures from that episode while you guys were out fishing. People could see the walleye that you caught and watching the tip up come up. And we love to share our followers stories and cabins that we're loving, um, share things in our stories. So it's, it's a great way to, to get more out of each episode. Yeah, and make sure us. to tag us, tag us in your posts, and we it, uh, they come up quite a bit where people are tagging us, and we absolutely love that. And when we can, we will definitely post uh, those things that we we share too, especially if it ties in with what we're talking about. So we really appreciate all the interactivity that our cabin cast of characters that follows us. Yeah, right. Does so. Yeah, it's a it's really fun to hear from everybody and everybody's questions, comments, stories, songs we should listen to and share, books we should read. There's there's just so much out there and it's fun for us to be able to pass that on to all of our listeners. Yeah, so thank you everyone for listening and until next time. Enjoy the journey. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Cabincast. You can find details and more information in the show notes on our website at www.thecabincast.com. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you won't miss a single episode. Follow us on your favorite social media channels. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Cabincast. We'd also love to hear from you. We want to hear your getaway and cabin stories. For a chance to have your story featured on an upcoming episode, email us at getaway at thecabincast.com. Until next week, enjoy the journey.